We continue with our series on Sermon on the Mount. Really excited for that today. Excited about the camp. Excited about our, our morning together. Wasn't it good to, uh, to be together, to encounter God together and to, to serve one another. Just really loved the way that people were serving one another and helping one another to, uh, to encounter God. So well done, everyone. Um, I'm glad, Luke, that you used the word um, excited and exciting so many times and uh, all, will, all will come revealed later so well done well done um, we've um, we're moving into this uh, I don't usually go so much for sermon titles I, I usually write them to myself just so I can remember myself what it's about but I don't usually kind of reveal them but uh, this one this one today is called um, it's called did you know I'm fasting <laughs> <laughs> Okay, did you know I'm fasting? Um, we've, come to that, we've come to that point, uh, Matthew 6, 16 to 18, uh, where Jesus is, is talking about fasting. Uh, I, I was just looking around to see what uh, information there already was about this passage, maybe um, in the commentaries or in uh, other churches, whether they've, if they've run a series, whether they've, what they've said about this part of the... Um, of the Sermon on the Mount, and I was actually um, surprised to find that there wasn't really many, many uh, people that had done that. It was uh, the commentary is a, a, a page and a half uh, compared to about thirty pages on on the Lord's Prayer, um, and not really many churches that I know of have really run with this part of Sermon on the Mount. So I was quite surprised about that. Um, but as I, as I looked at it, prayed it through, thought about it, I just think there is, I've got faith, I think there is rich material there for us. So, so we're not going to worry about it if other people haven't preached on it so much. I think there's rich material for us today. And um, it's also, um, I, think it's, I think it's a hot message for us. I think it's a hot message for us today. It's not, uh, it's not so much about fasting, in fact, but I think there's a... There's a hot message for us. You'll also get to hear some quite bad stories about me as well. So um, if you're interested in that, then uh, that maybe will we'll, uh, gain, some, gain some more extra attention. Um, when you hear the stories about me, you might be, you might be uh, appalled or, or sickened or, um, you know, you, uh, it could all... It could all uh, in the, in, the, in the kind of, with the aim of self-humility and all of that, it could all backfire and uh, you could turn into a, an angry mob or something. But uh, let's, let's see what God does through this passage. We'll read it now um, and then we'll, then we'll get into this, uh, this hot, hot topic. Um, fasting. And when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces. That, they are fast, that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head, wash your face, that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret. Your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Jesus, we, we thank you for this. We thank you for this scripture. We thank you for, uh, for placing it there. We thank you that we can include it in our, our series right now. 
And uh, we thank you for your heart message through this. And we pray, Holy Spirit, be, be our teacher, be our helper today as we get into this stuff. And uh, help us to, to be ones who are, who are changed, ones who are um, increasingly hungry to honour you and to serve you, and uh, ones who are increasingly ready to, to submit our lives to you. Lord, only I can speak, but only you can bring about the change in our hearts. So we look to you, Jesus, to help us. In your precious name, amen. Amen. Um, so... Um, The passage, is, the passage is apparently about fasting, of course. It says fasting at the top, doesn't it? And um, Jesus certainly, you know, he's mentioning fasting. He's certainly not looking to, to close the door on fasting. He's saying when, when you fast, when you fast, he's not saying it's kind of out of date or not to be done now, but it's, he's saying when, when you fast, when you fast. I'm personally convinced of the, the power and the importance of, of fasting. Um, I've read and heard a lot about it. I've um, experienced it in my own life, that something, something happens when you, when you fast. There is a, there is, um, a reason why, why Jesus uh, talks about this. It's a, it's a true... It's a true thing. Prayer and fasting can achieve so much. We, we, really, we really get that. Interestingly, so Jesus is saying when you fast, interestingly, aside from here, Jesus doesn't really uh, mention it in his public teaching when he's, a, he's addressing people. And, um, and neither does Paul. Neither does Paul. But I'm fully convinced. And, um, but it's not, it's not perhaps the main thing that we're going to talk about today even though I'm fully convinced about it. I think there's an amazing drama unfolding, isn't there, in this text, that if you, if you think about it. And uh, I'm interested today to talk about this amazing drama that we're seeing that's un unfolding. This thing, isn't it, of what's he talking about? Contorted faces, looking gloomy, deliberately modifying the way these people look, kind of playing out a sort of theatrical role, well, that is, that's grabbing a lot of my attention as we think about this series. That's grabbing a lot of my attention. So Jesus is talking about fasting, but there's a whole load of extra drama that I'm interested in. And uh, if we take... If we, you know, he's talking about fasting, but we could take that and th we could think about all kinds of other sort of Christian disciplines that people might notice and that kind of thing. So if you don't fast very often, then don't let that be the thing that switches you off right now from, from what Jesus is, is really saying. I think the, the drama, the message the drama here is that Christians, the Christian can subtly feel tempted at times to advertise his or her spiritual accomplishments. That seems to be kind of where he's, where he's going with that. Um, I say that of myself. I know that in my own life, um, I like to advertise my spiritual disciplines. I like to advertise my spiritual achievements. I want people to to notice. I, re I really do. I, I, say that. I say that right now. 
Um, I think we all love a well done, don't we? We all love a well done. We do our best, and uh, it doesn't always feel good, does it, to do your best and nobody to say well done. Nobody to say, you did a great job. And you think, well, I tried my best, I worked so hard, and it seems unnoticed. Uh, nobody really wants to experience that. So if we look at it on that level, and we don't kind of bring it into a sinister level, I think the idea that everyone wants to be noticed and encouraged, I think that's fair to say, isn't it? Um, we, um, we, we, baptized, um, we baptized a convert maybe um, four years ago. And um, we, it was great. It was the first time, first time we baptised anyone. Um, it wasn't just someone interested in getting baptised, but it was someone that, had, um, that we'd got to know. She'd, she'd come to faith. And we get this amazing privilege to, to baptise her. It was an amazing day. And um, we, we do this. We took some photos. We kind of said, hey, look at this great, great news that we've baptised someone. Um, then... Uh, that afternoon, um, Mike Betts, who leads the, the relational mission movement, he got hold of this photo, and uh, he then kind of started to re-post it around. So it's gone from our little group to, to him, and then he started to repost it. Maybe probably two or 3,000 people then see this. Then he... he, he um, then the, the New Frontiers Network, they get hold of it, that's probably another 5,000 people get hold of this photo, and it's going round on, on Sunday night. Then, then the unthinkable happens. <laughs> the unthinkable happens is that, is that Ed, Edward Berea, <laughs> who, um, who, who plants about 90 churches a day in, in Kenya and has a TV studio and everything, um, this guy, he, he gets hold of it, and he responds to Mike, and he says, and he says just this. Exciting Mike. <laughs> Exciting Mike from, from Edward Berea about our little baptism that we did. So now we've got Edward Berea saying, Exciting Mike. <laughs> Let me tell you. <laughs> Let me tell you, it was a great... It was a great few moments in my life that we finally, we finally got an exciting mic from, uh, from Edward Berea. Can you believe <laughs> It was amazing because um, we're just kind of doing our little thing and suddenly it's going, it's like church, and then it's going all around Kenya about this baptism because of, because of this exciting mic comment. I'm not going to lie to you. I, it, was, it was great. It was great. And... Um, I've still got it on my phone, actually. <laughs> and it comes out from time to time on my, on my phone. And uh, it's kind of become, the phrase has become like a cult status now. This exciting mic, oh, you know, oh, new coffee pump, exciting mic. <laughs> Church camp, exciting mic. <laughs> new wires on the keyboard, exciting mic. And, Alison was the worst, by the way. I look back over the messages and uh, to go back to that time, and she she was the main uh, user of it. I, yeah. <laughs> but um, hey, I can't lie and say, oh, it wasn't great to be to be noticed. You know, hard work, seemingly unnoticed, and then this moment where uh, it starts to go around and it starts to get 
noticed. It was, it was exciting, Mike. And um, this idea that we are, this idea that we, to be noticed and to be encouraged and to be, to be valued, it's, it's part of, we can see the sinister side of it, but it's part of us being made in the image of God, isn't it? It's part of, it's part of who we are in God, to, to be to be noticed. It's not something that we have to force ourselves to feel bad for if we get noticed, if we get well done. We don't need to feel bad about that. We can be like, oh yeah, but it was nothing and all of this. We don't need to feel bad about being noticed, about being encouraged, being celebrated. But there's always a but, isn't there? As my, my father-in-law says, there's a lot of buts in the Bible. And there are, this, there's this but, isn't there, that if this becomes the onset of this insatiable, premeditated desire to be noticed, so it's not just a consequence, but it becomes the kind of, this insatiable desire, it becomes the main object, then it starts to take on a bit more sinister field, isn't it? We could... We could agree that. We look at the drama in this passage. This, the, as it says, this grave, this kind of grave look. This, the creased, the creased forehead, the kind of dishevelled face. If we look at all of that, we could, we could think on the one hand, yeah, this is a, this is a virtuous Christian person, you know, doing, look at, the, look at the intensity, look at the struggle, look at the lengths that they're willing to go to. Just look at that, look at that. We could say that. But Jesus, what's he saying? He doesn't seem too, he doesn't seem too kind of warm and positive about it, actually, if we think about it. Kind of, you can imagine him saying, you know, I can see all of this. I can see everything that, that's going on here. Um, I can see your practice. I can see that. Um, you could almost imagine he's kind of, yeah, I see that. Ah, oh, but like Colombo, just one more thing. Just one more thing. Just one more thing. Who, who are you doing all of this for? Who's this all, who's all of that stuff for, anyway? Did the, did the father ask you to carry on like that? Did he do that? Why this insatiable hunger? Why these great lengths to be noticed? Just like today, it would have been customary to you know, personal hygiene, to wash your face, to wash your hair, to kind of, you know, make yourself look in order. That would have been the custom. These weren't kind of like cave people or something. They would have been the custom just to, to look normal. Everyday stuff, right? Same for all of us. And Jesus is kind of tapping into that. He's reminding, remember, he's speaking to the disciples. He's reminding them, you know, be... Be normal. Be normal in appearance, not like clothing and things, but be normal in how you come across. Be normal. Don't turn 
the discipline of discipleship into something weird or extreme in order to gain extra approval. Be normal. He's addressing that when, when carrying out this stuff, carrying out serving God, carrying out mission, whatever it is, that some, some who he's speaking to in this passage, some, we could say performers, would deliberately dishevel their hair, change their whole expression on their face, disfigure themselves to seem to be noticed. Jesus is saying, don't do that. Comb your hair, wash your face, behave normally. Behave as if the object isn't being noticed. Go about this as if people won't notice really what you're doing. We like a we like a case, don't we? Of um, we like a case of bash the the Pharisee, don't we? We like to go, oh yeah, Jesus, this now the Pharisees, very naughty, all of that. We like to we like to do that, but I think this is this is more than that, so much more than that, you know. Because we think, oh, we, yeah, we're, we're here in like the grace zone. We're over here, all of that. But they were over in this other zone. They thought that their, their works would be impressive and that would, be, that would increase their status before God and before man. And uh, there's this huge divide in between that we never, we never move across into the work zone. We always stay over here on, this, on the grace zone. And they can never get onto the grace zone because they're so consumed by being in the work zone. They get bashed, we sit back. Ah, oh, when, when will these Pharisees ever learn? When are they going to change? Why can't they be more like me? But as with, as with all of Scripture, is it something, is it like, is, it a win, is scripture a window to look through at others on? Or is scripture like a mirror to look at ourselves? We mostly think of it as a window. You read the Bible, who can I send that to on WhatsApp? Who can I, how can I post that to go to someone else? And we miss, we miss the deep heart work that Jesus wants to do in us. Jesus is inviting us, saying, use, the, use this as a mirror. Use this as a mirror to, to look upon yourself. And it's a great discipline, this passage, but in all of the Christian life, is to look at yourself. The Bible talks, isn't it? Look upon yourself with sober judgment. Mostly looking at yourself. It's mostly about looking at yourself. It comes as, it comes as this great, if we miss it, we miss this great invitation that Jesus is paving the way for us to be normal in our discipleship and freed of the heavy slavery to human opinion, 
to approval. That, I think we would say most of us are subtly ensnared to. So what is the wider context of this comment about fasting? Is this just an isolated one? No, we've been working through the Sermon on the Mount, haven't we? And we can even go back to the beginning of the chapter, beginning of chapter 6. Jesus even says there, he's more or less saying, don't, don't do your righteousness in front of other people so that you get noticed by other people. That's how he opens the section. And then we have this, this thing about kind of um, giving to the needy, um, impressive prayer, now fasting. Don't do your behaviour in order to get noticed by other people. You can think of yourself. I think there's a, you know, there's a culture of humility now, isn't there? It's kind of, there are a lot of leadership books and things about being vulnerable and about not having to be this kind of untouchable one, that you open your vulnerability and actually you become a greater, more dignified leader. It's the culture. And I think we can all buy into that culture of humility but a lot of the time we don't behave with humility so we buy into the ideology and it suits us because we can say yeah I don't need to be impressive I'm only me I can be I can show my humility but in our hearts and in our thinking we often don't possess as much humility as we think we do I was um, I was once at a um, uh, I was going to a conference and um, there was a bunch of us there actually. We were at this conference and the first evening there was this meal. It was a small, a small thing, there was this meal. There was lots of people there. And um, say, let's say 30 people there. We, we eat this meal. At the end of the meal there's this time when we have to each stand up and introduce ourselves. So we, we have to do this. Um, I don't really like to do that kind of thing. It's, I just kind of... Oh, I can't bear the, it kind of coming round, getting closer to me and to trying to quickly think what I'm going to say and all these impressive people in this room. Um, so it comes to my turn. Um, I have to stand up. I introduce myself, say where I'm from, say a bit about what we're doing. Um, and, um, and then soon after this, it was soon after this baptism, I just, I just dropped in there. Yeah, and, uh, you know, we're there, we're on mission. But... But we've only baptised one person. We've only baptised one person. Um, Terry Virgo's there. All the other, all the other people are there. And it, it, I wouldn't say it was a calculated thing. But I went, I went home to this accommodation we were staying in, and I, I felt, I felt repentant. I felt convicted. I felt repentant. We've only baptised one person. There were, there were leaders in that room who baptised nobody because they're working in a different context and maybe things are different or things are hard. They hadn't come to the point where they would baptise anyone. So did that... I went home convicted. Did that, make them, did that make them feel good? You know, poor old us, we've only baptised one. When you haven't baptised anyone, did it, did it make them feel good? Was it encouraging? Little bit encouraging to say, yeah, go for it, but it wasn't fully... When I kind of peeled it back, it wasn't fully kind of birthed out of a thing of encouragement, really. 
Um, in the time, I don't really know why I said it, and it was news, it was topical news. We had, we had just baptised one person. And it was, a, it was a moment where we were sharing news about what was going on in our church plants. So it wasn't this kind of just announcement out of nowhere. But I just had to check my heart. I just had to check my heart. Did I, did I say that to celebrate a baptism, to celebrate someone, one to Christ? Or did I a little bit say that because we're in this room full of people and I don't really know what to say? Jesus rejects that idea of public notice. Using public notice as a self-motivator. He rejects that idea. He does it in a very unique, very careful way. And he, he really says, if you seek from if you seek to be noticed by people, then you won't have notice from the Father in heaven. That's what he says. If you seek notice from other people, then you will not have notice from the Father. I've thought a lot about this, and I know it's been a theme on these other times, teaching on this part of the Sermon on the Mount, this thing of reward. Jesus talking about reward, what does that even mean? It can be a joke, can't it, that if you then, if I've encouraged Luke about his video, now no reward for you, Luke, when you <laughs> go before the Father. Because I've kind of, I've got in there first. I've stolen it. I've got, I, you know, I can have the reward for being the encouraging one, but no, no reward about the video. It's a joke, isn't it? And we do it as a joke. But there can be a little kind of thinking behind a joke, can't there? That's, that's the thing. You know, encourage someone. Boom, there's your, one of your crowns. That's gone up in smoke now, you know. Sorry. Did I, uh, did I get rid of one of your crowns? Um, the Bible talks, doesn't it, about honouring one another. The Bible says so much about honouring other people. Outdo one another, it says. Outdo one another with showing honour. That's what the Bible says. So, does that, mean, does that mean the Holy Spirit's deliberately written in something into Scripture that means you outdo people and you get rid of their rewards for them? No. <laughs> I don't think so. Why would it, why would it promote honour? Why would it promote that you honour people you say well done, you encourage people, you speak about them more highly than about yourself. Why would it say all of that if then one day God's going to laugh and go, ha ha, you lost it all because you got some encouragements? It's a quandary, isn't it? It's... We all like to be noticed. We all like to be encouraged. And we could say from scripture, the father's not against compliments. He's not against honor. 
this is my son with whom I'm well pleased. Well done, good and faithful servant. That's his language, isn't it? God said it was very good. That's his language. But surely, I think this is the, this is the thing. And it's just in my thinking, really. But maybe it's something you can buy into. Surely the reward can only come from the action to which it was set towards in the first place. Surely. In the first place, what reward were we seeking and who were we seeking it from? Was the, was the activity for God? Or was it quite a lot geared up to get noticed? You get the reward from what you do for God. You don't get the reward for the thing that you do that was never really truly doing it for God in the first place. Was it actually for God? I think that's, that's where I land about this rewards thing. It's not about the accident if you accidentally get found out and encouraged. We don't hold back honouring in order to pre- prevent that from, from happening. But what was the heart intention of your action? I believe, I do believe, that one day we'll stand before the Father and we'll receive a well done, we'll receive a reward, and I think we'll get reward for things that other people have also said well done to us for. Because the Bible says honour, you know, honour one another. I think, I do believe that. One day, God will say well done, but it will also be for things that other people have said well done. But I also think there'll be things that I line up ready to get my reward. And it will be revealed that actually you didn't really fully, when we pair it back, do it completely in my name. Wasn't it just a little bit about getting noticed by other people? I think that it's my theory on it. I think we're made to crave notice. I think we are. I think we're created to crave notice. You might be sitting there now thinking, yeah, but why do I, why do I crave to be noticed? Why do I do these things? Why is that in my heart even anyway? What's wrong with me? Is it all about sin? What is it? Well, I don't think anything's wrong with you for craving that. I think it means you're made in the image of God. You're made by God. As a child, even as the child cries out, watch me, watch me, look at what I'm doing. It's our like, intentional, intentionally designed 
destiny or DNA or however you want to call it, by the Father, to know him, to be noticed by him, the apple of his eye, rooted, our lives rooted in his affirmation, rooted in his affection over us. It's not a crime or a sin to notice God and to be noticed by God. He's all about well done. You're not weird if you want to be noticed. It's the design of humanity to to be noticed. To do well, to bear fruit. To be noticed by the Father. But Jesus isn't addressing a kind of basic relationship between us and the Father to be noticed and to be encouraged. I don't think he's addressing that. If we take a literal, a very literal translation of what Jesus is saying, this is, this is the most literal translation I could find, and it's helpful. He's saying, Jesus is saying, at the beginning of chapter 6, watch out. Watch out that you don't do your righteousness in front of other people in order to be theatre for them. That is a good and literal translation. Behaving to be theatre for other people, a show, a deliberately dramatic, noticeable, good piece of theatre. That's the best, most literal translation I could find on this. Doing something for the purpose of being noticed and going to great lengths. Not just doing your good stuff, maybe I get noticed, but going to great lengths to be noticed. When I, before I left England, um, I was going to the dentist a long, long time ago um, and had this Polish dentist. And he, we were chatting while he was looking at my teeth and he was telling me about his, um, his son talking about his son, this and that. And I, I think I half made a joke about, oh, well, I expect he's got really good teeth, though. And um, the dentist, he said, oh, do you know what? Do you know what? I think he was maybe 12 years old or something, this son. Do you know what? Um, I want him to have good teeth. And I give him the great toothbrush. I give him the best toothpaste. give him everything. I encourage him to do his teeth, all of that. And uh, I thought he was doing great and doing his teeth. And do you know what? I I burst into the bathroom the other day after months of thinking he was doing a great job on his teeth. And he stood there in the bathroom by the sink with his toothbrush, rubbing it on the tile. (laughs) He's rubbing it on the tile for three minutes to make the sound that he's brushing his teeth. (laughs) And then coming out saying, yeah, Dad, I've done my teeth. This has gone on for months. <laughs> it was like, if you think about it, it was the same, he's going to a greater length than it would cost to actually just clean his teeth in the first place. But he wants to present that he's cleaning his teeth, so he comes up with this other way. It would be just so much easier to just clean his teeth probably require the same amount of muscles, the same amount of time, all of that. But he put all of his effort into finding the perfect tile that would make 
the perfect noise so that it would kind of you know, echo down the corridor to his, to his dad. Jesus uses this word a lot, doesn't he? Hypocrites, hypocrites. And um, another way to translate that word, hypocrites, is like theatrical performers. Theatrical performers or showmen, show people. In this section of this Sermon on the Mount, there's, this great, there's a great deal of external, outward theatre going on. The noticeable charity of giving... Um, attention-grabbing, eloquent prayer. And now this hard-suffering, dramatic fasting. Poor old me, I'm fasting, don't you know? There's a huge amount of drama. It can seem like, is this a bit of a contradiction even? In chapter 5, it says, doesn't it? When people see your good works, they'll give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Okay, so when people see my good works, they'll turn, that will be a positive message. They'll turn and uh, give glory to the Father. But of course, a lot of the ones in, in chapter 5 are more of a kind of, are more of a, a reserved, unspectacular set of attitudes to have. Control of anger, control of lust, unconditional forgiveness, etc., They're not like these huge, impressive deeds, in a sense. They're positive virtues. And it's actually saying, when these things get noticed, when that becomes apparent in your community or in your life, then it will actually draw attention to the Father. So again, it's good for that stuff to be noticed. But not to go to the huge lengths of performing impressive deeds for people's notice or attention. He's bringing a big challenge for people disguising as like righteous fruit in their lives, actually putting this huge effort, this huge theatre into performing and appearing like a deception of appearing in a certain way. From the beginning, if you think of this story, these people making themselves look awful so that they stand out, it's not done for God. We can say that, can't we? It's not done for God. It's done to be noticed on the street corner. Therefore, why is God, why is, what's the reward going to be to that? Nothing. You get your reward by appearing to be the holy man on the street corner. You don't, there's nothing going to God in your actions. So why should there be the reward for doing that? It's difficult, isn't it? If we, if we kind of think it, that's the dramatic example, but if we think about it into our own lives, and um, it's, hard, it's hard to really know our motives with these things at times, isn't it? We can look at that as a classic example, but it's often hard to know our motives. And we can get even caught up in um, feeling condemned even about our motives. It's difficult. But... But again, the Bible's just encouraging us to examine ourselves. You know, we're conditioned a certain way, aren't we? To find approval a certain way. We're conditioned to find um, our identity in doing well. A whole, of, whole system of life is really 
geared up to that, isn't it? Passing your exams and doing well on the sports day and all of this. It's all, it's all geared up to that. It's, it makes it hard for us to know our true motives. But I would urge us, I can't give you the answer right now, but I would urge us all just to reflect on that. What is my, what is my heart motives for, th- for these things? Think of an example of things that you do. Is it really for God? Maybe it is. Maybe it really is. If you took this example, whatever you think of, would I feel confident right now, standing before the Father and saying, I did this all solely for you? Would you come to that with confidence? Would you come thinking, I kind of think I did, but it was a bit mixed. Just in your personal life, social media time, all of that, your interactions with others, your performance at work, all of that. How much, just thinking of yourself, how much energy goes into the theatre of being noticed by others. How, how are we similarly enslaved? We don't maybe do carry out the exact behaviours that we read here, but how are we similarly enslaved? I love this community that we've got here. I love this community. I know I can be like these people where it's a performance and a show. I know I can. There's times in my classroom where everything's going so great, so amazing, and you're just longing for one of the top heads of the school to just, oh, I just thought I'd pop into your classroom now. I know I can be like this. But if we think of our, if we think of our community, what, what would our community be like if people like me weren't doing stuff like this? Would there be less competition. Oh, he got chosen for that. He got mentioned. I didn't. He's included in this. I'm not. Would there be less kind of vying for position? Notice me. Include me. Use me. Give me a role. Would there be less pain and disappointment if we don't get the notice that we crave? I've felt it. I've felt it. Brought something on a Sunday or whatever. Felt like, yeah, this was great. This really went well. Look at me. And then we're talking about the Sunday at some other time. And it's, oh, yeah, it was because of this other thing that happened. I'm thinking, yeah, but what about, what about what I did? Or what about my sermon? That didn't get, nobody mentioned that. 
I get it. If we had that in our community, that we didn't need that, how much more dissatisfaction would you feel in being yourself, being who you are? Jesus, didn't he, in his life, if we think of Jesus' life, he rebuffed, again and again, he rebuffed the search for the approval of others. Again and again, meeting expectations of other people. Instead, he chose aloneness, time with his father, time with just a select few. When there was a great crowd waiting for him, let's make you the king. There was this great crowd. He chose aloneness or escaping out to the other side of the island or he didn't choose to be noticed. There's no, with Jesus, there's no kind of posturing, there's no theatrical makeup. There was actually very little, even in the, the story Steve wrote, read, read, this idea, there's very little well done coming to Jesus. He's healed a man and they just use it to have a go at him. It's no well done for him, really. Could he function? Oh, but yeah, but what about me? I've just healed a man. How, what would that be like? He doesn't, he doesn't hunger after it. He's secure in his life with the Father. There's no well done for him in this life. He's wrongly accused, isn't he? Wrongly accused, wrongly judged, harshly judged, completely unfairly. The Son of God, the Son of God dying an invisible death. Barely noticed, actually. It's, if you think of the whole context of the nation and the world, this death, barely really noticed. Invisible. Changing the course of history as he dies there on a cross, hardly noticed. Redirecting humanity back to God. Like the very thing, doing, doing the very thing that would restore and rebalance this whole perception of our wholeness and our acceptance, invited back to the Father. Restoring this whole thing while people probably went home and had their dinner. And he's left there, invisible. All of this, that we could be restored, accepted, one with the Father, singled out, everybody in this room, singled out and noticed by the Father. That's the intention. His death on the cross, an invisible death, that we can be singled out and noticed. It was all for you, all for me. Do you ever feel, just think of your own heart again, do you ever feel invisible? We're doing this mission here in this city, aren't we? Do you ever feel invisible? Even in this community, do you ever feel invisible? 
you ever feel that you need to try and keep up to be noticed? Do you ever come to God, maybe just in your alone time, and you feel obscure before the Father? What about this person? She's so radical. She's so this. I just feel obscure before the Father. Do you ever feel that? Like you kind of know about his love, but you're not surrounded and feeling immersed in his acceptance, fulfilled by his love. Do you feel, do you feel good as you are? Do you feel accepted as you are? Or do you feel this insatiable drive to be more noticed, to seem more impressive, to command more authority, to stand out? Do you, feel of, do you feel of worth as part of this body? One body, many parts, all doing our different function. Do you feel of worth in this body? You're noticed in this body. You are noticed by God and you're noticed by the greatness of what God is doing in the church. You're noticed. And it's noticed in a wonderful, pure, uncompromising, it's not just an adrenaline shot for a few minutes because someone's liked my social media post. You're noticed. You're noticed. You're valued. You're wanted in this community. You're noticed. You're valued. You're wanted before God. We can live and we can help one another to live in the acceptance of the Father who sees every good thing we do, every great thought we have, every time that we forgive or we let someone ahead of us. He sees it all. He sees it all. He's got it all in a big library of all the stuff that he wants to say well done for us. It gives him such pleasure. We give God such pleasure with our stuff that we truly do to him, for him. We, he, we give him such pleasure. We live in that acceptance. It's like a sweet, a sweet love song to him, to honour him with our actions, not for the not for like a false God of a well done, but the true God gives him such pleasure. Just sense that, that's the, that's the end now, but just want him, just want you to sense his pleasure over you. Maybe, maybe just for a few moments you can uh, just Maybe stand, maybe just open your, open your hands to him. Open your heart to him. It's a private moment, we're together.